I get made fun of by the people who know me most because they recognize the things I say the most, mannerisms that you do the most, but I can't help it. It's good to be here. TJ was making fun of me with that the other day. It is good to be in his house, good to be in his presence. I'm glad to be in God's house, to be his church. It's good to be here. It really is. And that's not a line. I mean that. And I feel excited today. I mean, I, I want to say that I feel all excited every single week. Sometimes you just got to make yourself wake up, right? Who feels like that some Sundays? You just got to wake up. You got to go to work anyway. When it's Monday and you're tired, it doesn't matter sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't matter how you feel. You just got to go to work. And that can, it's the same thing with God. We got all kinds of things. You got the natural things, the cold and work, you know, natural work. And then you've got spiritual things. The enemy will try to keep you down, but you just go anyway. But I especially love when I feel up to the job as well. <laughs> Hopefully it comes out as much as I feel. So I just want to jump right into it and um, want to encourage you today with God's word. I'm just going to pray again. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that you've preserved it. It's not a book. Lord, we thank you for all of the laborers throughout time that have put it together and have preserved it, Lord, and with study and with insight, and Lord, and it's available for us to see what you have spoken to us. It encourages us. It grows within us. It fertilizes the seed within us that you've planted. And Lord, we just, we ask, Lord, right now for that word to come out clearly, Lord, by the Spirit of God. It doesn't need me, my opinions, and my thoughts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So two weeks ago, I spoke on the book of Esther and I'm not, I spent a long, long time on, on that story, even though probably deserved weeks at a time to do it. But I just wanted to say, you know, basically the book is about an enemy that's after God's people and God raised up somebody, Esther and Mordecai together to save God's people. That's really the epitome of the book. That's the story. And I want to spring right from that into today um, with this scripture from the book of Esther. It's the best scripture in the book. And I want to move forward with this verse. I believe that it was God to lead us to this time. I was sure that it was this time. So I looked it up and Purim, you know, the time that the book of Esther celebrates is right now. It is the time, it is March. That's when they're going to be celebrating it. So it's interesting that I felt to get into this and that God's talking about this time right now. And in the book of Esther, uh, chapter 4, verse 13. This is the best verses from the entire book. And it says, Mordecai sent this reply to Esther, don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. Verse 14, if, here we go. Let's just read this together. If you keep quiet at a time like this, Deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. I love that. I had to, uh, uh, I didn't know that I was going, I was, the Lord speaking to me and showing me some things uh, to speak on for the next few weeks. And you're trying to get his heart. And uh, it is not a, uh, a sprint. This is a marathon. We're a every week Christian, right? Not a one time, not a Sunday Christian. So I want to get his heart and gather that. But um, I was really touched 
I re- I, by this verse. I believe that's the Lord's word to us for this season. It wasn't just a, a sermon, but that's the season we're in for such a time as this. I truly believe that that's this season. And, and I was, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I have to say this right off the bat because the Lord just showed me this. Right before we, uh, we got here, the Lord showed me, I'm going to say this prophetically, for each and every person, your appointed time. Right before, and I'm, I'm going to go one by one because I believe the Lord just told me your appointed time. But actually, instead of going one by one, I'm just going to tell you all at once. When you were born, it was your appointed time. When you were born, it was your appointed time. The Bible says in the book of Daniel chapter 11, the book of Daniel chapter 11 is talking about some end times things going on. And it says in verse 27, talking about this, these, this power struggle at the end of time, certainly seems like things are ramping up in our world looking like that, but who knows? We might be looking at another thousand years. We don't know, but things in this world seem like they're ramping up for the end. But it says in this verse, I love this, seeking nothing but each other's harm, these kings will plot against each other at the conference table, attempting to deceive each other, but it will make no difference, for the end will come at the appointed time. God is so gracious and merciful to us that when we pray to him, his answer is there. And I don't want to get into, get your, there's all kinds of terms for trying to, they say, well, why pray? Because then God already knows what's going to happen. No, he knew you would pray, so he already had the answer lined up. You still have to pray. He knew you would do it. I don't, it's a weird concept, only we're going to get it in God's kingdom. Don't not pray thinking, well, God's going to do it anyway, because then he already knew you weren't going to, you decided you weren't going to pray. Your appointed time is now. That's why you were born. You were born for such a time as this. God knows what he's doing. There's an appointed time that makes no difference sometimes to all the planning and plotting and all those things. God's moving in a particular direction. It's like, and I'm going to get into it a little bit today, the enemy is constantly opposing us and pushing us and trying to move God's people. But as much as he affects your story throughout times in your life, and he has, right, affected our story, and then God brings us through, God's ultimately, though, moving us somewhere. Is anybody sitting here in utter defeat today? Maybe you feel like it, but you're not. You're not. Only in your mind. Only maybe in your heart. You are sitting here in victory today. Just the fact that you're in this building, you're in victory. God is with you right here, right now. And so it may seem sometimes that the enemy's had his way, that he's, he's uh, overcome, he's overwhelmed, or whatever, you and your situations, and mentally, physically, spiritually. But God's plan and purpose is appointed. God is doing what he's going to do, and he knew He knew that you were going to say yes to him before you did. It doesn't mean you didn't have a choice because you made it. Who made the choice to say yes to Jesus? Did anybody feel like God made them do it? 
No, many times we've made it over and over and over again. We just feel, we feel compelled within our spirit. This is, this is what I need. This is what I know I need. And that is open for the whole world. It's so important that we understand the times that we live in. And, and uh, even the demons, the Bible says, know about the appointed times. It says in the book of Matthew, chapter 8, verse 28. Remember Jesus coming to the, to the um, demoniac over in the Gadarenes, Gasserines, Gergesenes, whatever book in the different gospels, you're going to read it differently here in Matthew, it's the Gadarenes. And it says that two men who were possessed by demons met him. They lived in a cemetery and were so violent that no one could go through that area. In verse 29, they began screaming at him. So the demons in the men began screaming at him, why are you interfering with us, son of God? Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? Even the demons are aware that there are appointed times. And um, I was just seeking the Lord, and I was so overwhelmed by this pressure that his plan is moving, his time is going. There's a big timeline. You know, we don't know everything of when it started and how it started with Adam and Eve and how long they were in the garden for. I mean, who knows? Who cares? All we know is this, that you are here today and your clock is ticking. Who feels like 2016 was a blur? I do. I mean, like more than ever. The clock is speeding up. And the Bible prophesies that that's what would happen. And I just, I feel from the Lord that if we don't stop, not stop for too long, but if we don't stop and realize the time we're in and just go about our lives and just go about your days, who has woken up and, and has, has just looked in the mirror? I've heard this so many times. I mean, I'm in my 30s, but I've heard it from the 50-year-old, the 60-year-old. They look in the mirror and they say, what happened? It's almost, it's like, it's just such a blur. It doesn't matter how much time you have. Who's, who's been on an extended vacation, like two weeks, three weeks, like a really long one? It doesn't matter how long, for when, you, when it's the last day, somehow it's like, even if you're ready to get home, you're like, where do those three weeks go? It doesn't matter how much time you have, you just never seem to have enough of it. Because it's not stopping, it's not slowing down, it's not, your time is now. And it's not going to, the, we know the quote, time waits for no man. But what you do with your time is your choice. Time's not waiting around for you. And let me tell you something, neither is God and neither is the devil. That's the key today. God's plan is moving. And that's what he said. It says here when, he, when Mordecai was speaking to Esther, he was speaking from the spirit of the Lord. If it's not you, God's still gonna do what he's gonna do. He has to. He promised that he's gonna do certain things. There are appointed times. It's your choice. He says, your fam you and your family will be dead. Now it doesn't mean, let's just say God's not angry at us and he kills us. You die as an old man and an old woman. You've lived your life. But if you didn't use the appointed time, if you didn't use your life for him, now you're dead and God's got to do what you are here to do through somebody else. That's sad. 
I'm not going to say whether I'm not going to in one way. I'm not even going to try to tell you to touch your salvation of what, you know, God's judgment of you in that place. I have no idea. But I know this. I know that you will be unhappy when you cross over. I know that. The Lord showed me a long time ago, uh, 15 years ago almost, uh, that, and I've mentioned this here in this church, I think once before, the end of Shimmer's List. And he had done an amazing thing, saving the Jews. Um, I'm terrible with statistics. I think it was 1,500, something like that. What an incredible thing. While they're being killed, he's saving them. But at the very end of it, do you guys remember the movie? He looks down at his ring, little tiny ring, and he's like, man, this could have saved one or two more. When your time is done, you're not going to uh, look at the parties you had. You're not gonna think about the beautiful landscaping in your backyard. You're not gonna think about the vacations you took. You're gonna think about the deeper things of life, the things that matter. And they say that, you know, um, that the elderly on their deathbed, they don't talk about those things. They talk about, why didn't I, I, I could have done this, I should have done that. They start thinking about the things they could have and should have done. Not I should have taken more vacations, but man, I feel like I, I should have taken more risk in this area, or whatever, and we're talking, you know, some just worldly thoughts, but the same principle is here for the Christian at their deathbed. I feel like the Lord is warning us that our time is so short. I don't know if he's coming back or if we're dying, but I feel the warning in my spirit that it's just such a blink. I mean, I'm noticing that just in my 30s. I was the kid and now I've got the kids. Elijah turned 13 this week. Uh, and it's, it's just such a blur. And the Lord's warning us that time is not waiting. And the enemy, I believe Jeannie said this last week, takes no vacations. He doesn't take breaks. In fact, at your lowest, hardest times in your life is when he's going to strike you the hardest. And if we try to just lull through Christianity and lull through this walk with God, if we don't seize every single opportunity, every single moment at the very time that you relax and rest. Now, I'm going to talk about that. There's a difference between resting in God. I'm getting ahead of myself because the Spirit's just talking. I'm just going to go. There's resting in God and then there's just being lazy. Who knows the difference as a Christian? <laughs> I don't need to really get it to explain it that much. And there's such a difference. The very time that we kind of just get lazy about our faith, that's the exact moment. Who has also seen repercussions of that sometimes? It's not God judging you. I mean, God's not there instantly to, to judge you and to, to beat you because you didn't seek him. But the enemy is immediately. That's the moment he will use that. So this was not an intro. This is part of the sermon. So let's just keep moving. What does Jesus say? Jesus tells us, actually before that, in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, it says, my people are destroyed 
in New King James Version, for lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priest for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. It's not God judging you. It's just that you've, you've already set a course in action. If we're not careful, uh, I was praying with Jean the other day, and he said, I don't want to miss what God is doing. If we're not careful, we will miss what God is doing. God's still moving. Because think about this. Tell me I'm wrong. The people out in the world right now that still need Christ, that haven't said yes to him, the ones you've been hammering, come to Christ, come to Christ, come to Christ. God's plan in his church is still the church, isn't it? It's not waiting around for them to be a believer. Which tells me that just because we're in the church doesn't mean that God's not still doing if we start getting, if we start lulling, getting lazy as Christians. God's still doing what he's doing. His plan's still being fulfilled whether we submit to it or not. That's a scary thing, but also just, it doesn't have to be scary. It can just be sobering. It's just a sobering thing, really. It just encourages us. Hey, I mean, if I told my, to the young people, if I told my kids or young people here today, don't waste your teenage years trying to have fun. That's That's stupid. Put those teenage years into getting the spirit of God in you, getting word into you. I mean, Paul says the time that you're unmarried, the time that you're single is such a gift from God. This time that you got just God. It's an important time to get close to God. It's an important time to get to know him with such a, you can get to know him with such an amazing heart. Don't waste time trying to be young and trying to do fun things because that will, you will never, when you're older, as a believer, maybe in the world, yeah, they, that's all they talk about. Remember in high school, they live in the past. But as a believer, that's not what you think about. You don't care about those things. And they become less and less and less and less, and you wish that you could use your time more wisely all the more. The more mature you get, the closer you get to Christ, you start realizing how much time we've wasted. And that's not, God's not judging us. And that's not what I'm here to do today. He's encouraging you, hey, Technically, guys, just so you know, here, I'm God. I don't have time, so I'm not going to judge you. But just so you know, when the clock is done, the clock is done. So if you use the rest of the time you have, I'm not going to look at the days and the years and the hours because that doesn't exist with me, but you will be done. Does that make sense? So we don't need to, we're not going to hang out in yesterday. We're not going to hang out in our faults, in our flaws, and in our past. But it's encouraging us to make use of today, to make use of tomorrow. And you know what? If we fail this week, I felt so encouraged that just to say to the Lord again, like that song, just say to him again and again, Lord, I was a fool today. Tomorrow's a new day. Lord, I was a fool today. I wasted today. And hopefully we don't do that till the end of our life. But that's okay to say that today and make an, a, 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 a determination that we're going to use the time that God's given us wisely. And Jesus said in the book of Luke, chapter 12, verse 54, and you can read that in the NLT. It says, Then Jesus turned to the crowd and said, 
When you see clouds beginning to form in the west, you say, here comes a shower, and you're right. When the south wind blows, you say, today will be a scorcher, and it is. You fools. You know how to interpret the weather signs of the earth and sky, but you don't know how to interpret the present times. Jesus said this to the people because he was standing there, and they should have seen that Jesus was there with them, that this was the time to repent, this is the time to turn to him, and they missed him. Jesus' plan was still moving. It was moving with or without the people. He was still heading towards the cross, with or without our acceptance. But who knows, as believers, when we join in with his plan, when we accept him, not only do we have eternal life, not only do we have the benefit of being close to Jesus, I mean, that's the best part, but we also get, become part of his plan on this earth. He uses humanity. He used 12 disciples. It was important that those 12 disciples, 11 of them realized, I'm going to keep saying yes. One decided this is not for me. And the 11 said yes to Jesus, and they became, they became part of his plan for that time. I don't know who you are here today. I don't know. You might be a Peter and a Paul, a James. And it's not going to, you're not going to become that person just because you were born. I wish it were that easy. When you were born, it was God's appointed time for you to be born, but who knows that most of the world today is using their appointed time for waste and squandering. It's a choice that we make to use your time. Just as you chose Jesus, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 37, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in, the day, in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. Isn't that amazing? Right up to the moment. They didn't technically, for all we know, it had already started raining on them when he was going into the boat. I mean, we don't know. But they wouldn't have known what was happening. They'd never seen it before. It says right up till he walked into his boat, they were just enjoying life. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. I don't know if Jesus is on his way. I hope that he is. But I know that I'm getting older. I know that. I know that as I'm reading books of some of the greats, that their time was, is, has been gone. Some of them for hundreds of years or thousands of years. Their time came and went. It says in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. Don't be foolish with your time. But like those who are wise. Verse 16, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. 
Now, the New King James says, verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And I want to talk about really both. I thought both translations gave me an amazing perspective here today because they both have words I want to look at. This one says, every opportunity in these evil days. There's a, there's a quote. You know, I mean, we have all kinds, actually, quotes, rather, for opportunities, seizing opportunities. Who has had an opportunity come into their life that they wished that they seized when you were younger? Anybody? We all have, of course. And the amazing thing about God's grace, and as I've already said, and you've heard me say it many times, is because there's no time with God, he's not judging you, but it encourages us, right? It propels us. It gets us uh, sober, makes you realize. Like the thing is like when your kids have birthday after birthday, when, you, when that birthday comes, and they're blowing out that cake. It doesn't make me say, well, whatever. I wasted these 13 years. Not that I feel like I did that, but whatever. He's going to be 25 one day, and that's just what it is. Who cares? No, I'm going to say, you know what? He's 13. I've got maybe five years of influence. Maybe. And I can really make the most of this 13th year and this 14th year. These are going to count for eternity, really, because he'll be a man one day and then raise his own kids and by third generation, I mean, possibly some seeds that I planted now are going to come out. And that's what the Bible says. Let's take a look at that. The Bible says, just want to skip over there and then we're going to come back to this. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, don't be misled or don't be deceived. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. You will always harvest what you plant. Well, guess what? The thing about harvesting is, and the thing about planting is, you have to do something today for some time in the future. And the other thing about harvest is, is that what you're harvesting today was planted before. Again, I'm going to keep saying it. God loves you and his grace is there for you today. I don't want you to leave condemned. I want you to leave in his mercy. Don't worry about the harvest that you're not happy with today. When you're planting a garden and I don't get a great harvest, I don't just say, well, whatever, forget this. I might say something like, you know what? I did this literally in my own garden. I need to get some better soil. Next year's a new year. I'm gonna do a better job and I'll rearrange how I'm gonna plant it. I don't get mad about today. Don't be condemned today, but look at your harvest today. Look at how you've used your time and you've used your life. Look at it, not to stay there and camp there and feel overwhelmed, but to propel you into, this is an, I've got another, I don't know how much time I have, but I'm going to use the rest of it. I'm, I'm looking for the next harvest. I'm going to do the best that I can planting now. The Bible says, it continues, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and ultimately death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Verse 9, so let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. Or we could say at the appointed time, at God's appointed time. 
He needs you to, to plant some things now, to do some things now, to put some time in now, to, to seek him now, to get closer to him now, because you don't know there might be a famine coming spiritually, physically, mentally. I mean, that could be in so many levels. You don't know what your life's going to look like in five or 10 years and the things you, you might need to start planning some things very seriously with God now for that time. How many people have you heard say, I'll come to God when I sow my royal oats and I got some things I need to do first? Well, what, is, what, are, we even, what are we saying in, that, in those lines anyway? Uh, let me sow some things now, thinking they won't reap the harvest of those things when now, they're, now they want to make things right with God and they're, they're upset with their harvest. I mean, God uses it, right? He'll use that harvest that puts them real low it is sometimes the best moment for God to grab you because you realize, hey, I made a mess of some things. But what do you think is going to happen? If you sow those things, if you live for the world, if you satisfy your nature, if you spend your time satisfying you, what does the Bible say? The Bible says that eventually, verse 10, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. It's encouraging us. You got to make every opportunity count. You have to make every moment count because it starts right here, right now. I don't know how long we all have. And I don't know what's coming. But I do know this, that he said, don't be misled. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. The things we sow will bring a harvest. Now, by the power of God, the things that you're harvesting now that are not of God, in the name of Jesus, we break those curses. We break the seeds that were planted in your life before you were even born, and you were born into families and into curses and things that God doesn't want on you. You can break those things by the power of the name of Jesus, but then you can't plant that thing again. You break that thing, then you can't live, that those things can't go back into the ground again and be you tomorrow. Making any sense today, guys? Let's go back and look at this scripture in Ephesians. So that's making opportunity. We need to take the opportunity, but also the, the New King James the version says, redeeming the time. Now, this is an amazing line. Because what this means is the time, it's not just seizing right now, but there's a redeeming of it. This can only happen in God and in Christ. God redeems the time. Did you know that? He will take your waste. Did you know that God picks the fools? He picks the wasted. He picks the nothings. He picks the nobodies. He's not concerned with that. He will take you broken, humble, looking to him. That's what he needs. And he will redeem all of the waste and all of the lost. He will redeem it. He will do, man, there's, there's just an, an unlimited amount of examples, but just very simple. Who has ever realized that, hey, I've wasted so much time with particular projects or, or school paper or something, and you get your coffee, you make it quiet, you buckle down, and you're able to do it in an hour, 
what you wasted and ate, right? That's what God is doing in us. He's able, he's able to do it. But what did it take? Let's just look at that simple example. You had to, at some point, if you decided this last hour doesn't matter because I already wasted eight, well, guess what? God's gonna look at you like your teacher and say, well, what do you, what do you want me to do with this? How do you want me to grade this? And you say, oh, I wasted eight hours. And then I thought, well, whatever. God's going to say, well, yeah, but you realized an hour before it was due. Why didn't you make the best of it then just with what you had? And I believe that's what God's saying to, to us, not necessarily even just your personal. I don't want you to look at your years, how old you are and those things, but also just the times that we live in. God's gospel really is uh, percentage-wise ineffective worldwide. Percentage-wise, the church is dying. It's dying. And I didn't make up these statistics. And, I, and there are, I thank you, God, that he's still bringing, I mean, the people are still getting saved. But percentage-wise, as people are dying every day and new people are being born, more people are even though they're getting saved every day, there are less today than there will be. Uh, there's less today than there was yesterday. And that's just, that's just how it is because it's, it's ineffective. But I believe the Lord is looking at his church right now. He's looking at his church worldwide. I believe the Lord's got a special time for us. I don't understand all the seasons and times, but he said, he did tell us, you're going to know some things. Some things you're just going to know. You look at the sky and you know things. Why don't you understand what this time is? And that's what I feel in my spirit. The Lord's telling us, Adam, you know some things. You, you know when it's going to be hot. When you wake up in the morning at 6 a.m. and you hear those, those, there's that particular bug that's buzzing when it's really hot. And I just know it's going to be a hot day. I know those things. Well, the thing in your gut that says, listen, you know, time is ticking and things are moving and those things are ringing bells in my spirit. Well, for today, let me bring it to, I'm gonna bring it some, just some closing points here and then I'll get into this some more, but what do we do? It says in Romans chapter 13, how, I mean, how do we deal with this? It says, Romans 13, verse 11, this is all the more urgent for you now. For you know how late it is, time is running out. Wake up, for salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. What we know is this. I don't know how much time Jesus has to come back. I don't know how much time I have until I meet him. But what I know is that I'm closer one way or the other today than I was yesterday. You're closer this week than you were last week. We know that. It says, so, verse 12, the night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on shining armor of right living. Your message here today is the time is now. For such a time, you were born for such a time as this. Your time is now and it's not waiting for you. Your time is now. It's time today to prepare for tomorrow's harvest. 
And uh, I just want to encourage you with this. The opposite kingdom of God. This is another thing I was talking about with Sean the other day. This is the thing about God. We think, man, I got to get busy. I got to get moving. The thing about following God is that it's an inside, outside, upside down kingdom. Everything you think in the natural, just do the opposite. (laughs) And that's God's word. The first thing we think is, man, you're right. Time is short. I got to get busy. And the enemy will, he'll catch you right there. Because now all of a sudden you get busy and you get doing for his kingdom. And you start spending less time with him personally. Start praying less fasting less, start reading the word less, because we've got to be busy. And now all of a sudden the enemy comes in and maybe you've done a great work for his kingdom. And you know what? Those seeds still will still grow. This is why you'll see uh, maybe a minister who has gotten off and you think how, and that kind of boggles your mind, but it doesn't mean the things he did still didn't produce a harvest. There were still seeds sown, but now him personally, what the Lord doesn't want us as a warning for today to the way to move forward, the way to seize our time, this is it. Don't start just running. I believe the Lord's catching us because the enemy will try to get us busy, try to get us moving. He'll try to get you doing things. And then all of a sudden you realize, hey, I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Where'd it go? And that's why I want to just close with this. I want to encourage you to do this. God's kingdom, the best seeds to sow, the best things we can do opposite to the things in the natural is resting in him. If we are not devoting daily time to the Lord, and I'm not, listen, I'd rather hear you say, I read the word in a, read the Bible in a year or the Bible in six months or it took me five years and I've been reading. I'd rather hear you say that than nothing at all. But I'd rather hear this more than that even, that all day I'm just chewing on it. I'm meditating on it. I'm thinking about the Lord all day. I'm thinking about what do you have for me at all times in everything you're doing, every single thing you do. It is such if time is short, both in the natural, uh, in the scheme of, of, the, of the spirit, his kingdom, either way, if time is short, then I don't want to waste time. The easiest way to waste time is to not plan properly, right? Who has tried to seize the moment and, and, and you did it a little bit too quickly? You tried to move so fast that it was actually just a big flop and your goal was to get some things done today. And I believe the Lord's warning us. He's telling us two things, that time is short, but this is the key. I'm gonna tell you how to make the most of it. And it's opposite of what you think. Get closer to me. You might feel like this is a waste of time just spending an hour in his word in a day. If you have five minutes, spend your five minutes. But the Lord's calling you deeper. He's calling you closer. You might feel like, what is this doing, me fasting? You don't, you have no idea When you plant an apple seed, how does it grow into an apple tree? Who cares how it works? All you know is that when you plant it, after X amount of time, it will produce fruit. 
just know that this is God's word, that it works, that prayer works, that fasting works, that spending time in his word works. And the devil will try to make you feel like you're wasting time. I felt very strongly from the Lord to encourage us today to do exactly opposite of what your mind says and your natural man says. Waste time. We, and this is the line he gave me to title today. Take the time because there's no time. We need to take the time because there's no time. The best thing that you can do with your time is with Jesus. And you know what will happen naturally? When you're out and about, the time you spent with him that the devil tries to make you feel like is wasted, all of a sudden has a word within you for somebody that you couldn't plan for anyway. Who could possibly try to plan what they're going to tell a particular person that you don't know you're going to meet? But spending time with God always does that. Am I the only one that can testify that? That the time that you spend with him, there's something always comes sometime, whether it's not that day, it's within that week. And something within what you just read and you spent time, the devil's going to try to make you feel like this coming to this church is a waste of time, that your fast is a waste of time, that your prayer is a waste of time, that spending time in his word is a waste of time. That's the exact opposite of the true kingdom. We need to do the exact opposite. We need to, I said a couple weeks ago, we need to double down. Whatever your time is that you're spending with the Lord, double it and see what God will do. He will use, he can redeem your time way more effectively than you can. The way he redeems it is you get into him and he does it. He does it. He organizes and ordains moments in your day. And it's so uh, supernatural that you could never ever try to make those things happen. And that's why it says, in Ephesians 6, you got to put on God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. You have to put it on so you will be able. Listen, you have to put it on so you will be able. What is that talking about? There's something you put on now, today, daily, so that you are will be able. That means that things are coming. Strategies are coming. That means heartaches are coming. That means hard times are coming. But you've been putting on God. You've been putting it on. 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 And it's almost like the icebreaker. The icebreaker going down. You see it, ever see it go down the Hudson? It's unaffected. And these things are just the things that the enemy's putting beside you. They're just blowing away. They're not touching you. Because you've been putting something on and you're able to get through what God, what God has empowered you to get through. You won't be able to do it on your own. There's nothing, you can't save the world on your own. You can't do it in your own strength. We need to get closer to him because time is short. Closer. Spend more time with him. Let's stand and pray. Lord, we thank you that you have called us. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us your word. Jesus, we thank you that you came and you spoke some things that encouraged us, Lord. You spoke some things that the religious couldn't get.
that the ones in the world, they didn't understand. But those that had ears to hear and those that had eyes to see, they received your word, they accepted it, they gave their life for the kingdom because they realized that this is it and this is all that matters. Lord, I pray that you'd put your word inside of us with such power. Lord, put it in us with such fervency that we would realize, God, we need you. I need you more. I need to get closer to you because I can't do this on my own. I don't want to waste any more time, so I'm going to spend more time with you so that you do in my day what I have not been able to do so far. We pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Lord, for a fire to burn in us, encourage us, call us, Lord, deeper. And Lord, I thank you that then you send us out in Jesus' name. Amen.